Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue, sitting in for Fred Burton. Today, we're talking about the economic impact of COVID-19 in the GCC Gulf states. And the perfect Middle East and North Africa analyst to talk about this is Emily Hawthorne. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Happy to talk to you today, Emily. How have the Arab Gulf states in the GCC handled the pandemic? So just like the rest of the world, the Arab Gulf states, the six countries that make up the Gulf Cooperation Council, um, that's including Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, and Oman, they have all been grappling with cases of COVID-19 domestically. Um, and I think, you know, in an immediate physical sense, these countries have actually been rather successful at mitigating the spread of COVID-19 after initial cases were detected. Um you know, in Bahrain, Kuwait, and the UAE um, in particular early on. Um, Bahrain and Kuwait cases were linked to travel from Iran, um, and the cases in the Emirates um, were linked to really the significant amount of travel that happens to and from the UAE, which is a, a big regional aviation and shipping hub. Um, another thing I want to mention about how these states have handled the pandemic is um, you know, just like we've seen with some countries in the Asia-Pacific region um, draw on their experience with the SARS outbreak in the early 2000s, you know, some of these Middle Eastern countries have protocols in place from the MERS outbreak, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome outbreak years ago, uh, especially Saudi Arabia. Um, and and the final point I want to mention on how they deal with this um, is, you know, these are all monarchies uh, with top-down systems of authority. So it is somewhat straightforward for them to be able to implement curfews and restrictions on travel uh, within the country um, without significant public pushback. So that has really helped control the spread of the virus domestically. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, what kind of economic toll should we expect from this pandemic on these states? You know, I, I think this is the real focal point we should be thinking about with respect to the GCC states and COVID-19. Um, and of course, it's a global focal point as well. But when we think about these states and, and what this pandemic means um, over the near and long term, this is really what we should be thinking about um, because of how it dovetails with the low and volatile energy prices that 2020 has seen so far. You know, even before COVID-19, decreased global demand for energy and decreased general consumption, which of course we're seeing around the world, um, oil prices were lower than these governments would have liked. And each of these states is dependent to some degree on oil and gas revenue. Another point about their economies that I think is important to realize is that some of these uh, six countries like Kuwait, the UAE, and Qatar in particular, they have bigger fiscal margins. They have more resources to deal with unexpected economic strain than others like the heavily indebted Bahrain and Oman, and even Saudi Arabia, which is very wealthy, but is also very dependent on oil and gas revenue. Um, so economically, I mean, we're going to see lots of debt taken out to cushion some of the uh, spending. We're going to see some rearrangements to state spending. We're going to see some cuts and trimming of budgets um, and some reduced spending on, on big capital intensive projects. And so these economic adjustments are probably likely to have significant social impact. Yeah, you know, each of these states has an ongoing economic diversification program that's already in motion. Um, these countries are trying to wean themselves off of uh, dependence on oil and gas as a primary source of revenue. Um, so when you see a country like the UAE over the last 
many years setting itself up as a shipping and logistics hub and building up the brand of renowned airlines like Emirates, you know, it's part of that diversification effort. Um, same for uh, Qatar seeking and winning hosting rights for the 2022 World Cup or Oman uh, really trying to build up its tourism sector. And a key part of these diversification programs is also this effort to try and build up the private sectors and lower the population's expectations that they will have a public sector or government job just ready and waiting for them when they graduate from university, because that's really viewed as largely unsustainable for the long term. And uh, another part of these diversification programs is introducing new taxes and new fees. And that's something that these populations are not really accustomed to. The last point I want to mention on social impact is probably where most eyes are watching, which is Saudi Arabia being the biggest country in the GCC and where people are wondering where the economic impact could have the largest social response or pushback from the population. You know, Saudi Arabia embarked in 2016 on probably the most visible economic reform program, Vision 2030. And this sudden negative economic impact of COVID-19 is forcing an acceleration of some of those Saudi plans to drum up more non-oil revenue to help cushion the blow on government finances. Um, and we're seeing some interesting things. I mean, Saudi Arabia actually just tripled the value-added tax. Um, and that's a really notable thing for a country that has relatively little by way of taxes on individuals. So I think what I'll say last to that question is just, you know, Saudi Arabia and the other governments in the GCC are going to be very closely watching the impact and response from the populations to any of their reform efforts, any new taxes, any new fees, because they don't want to introduce something that's too severe on the population. And provoke social unrest. Exactly. So what kind of impact does this have outside the region? You know, COVID-19 is, is a global issue. I think the major impact to consider from any sort of slowing economic activity in the GCC is a decline in remittance revenue. Any economic contraction in these wealthy Arab Gulf states is going to lead to some expatriate populations working within them heading home. There's just going to be fewer jobs available and less consumer demand, at least in the near term. So that's going to have an impact on um, expatriate populations across the board, you know, from all over the world, Asia, Africa, Europe, North America. But where it's going to have a really harsh impact is on those populations and families that are highly dependent on remittances in places like Egypt or Lebanon or the Philippines, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, um, places that have large populations working in the Gulf states um, and where that source of money is, is really important for a lot of these families. Um, it's also, too, uh, important for the governments, which are dependent on remittances as a way to source hard foreign currency. So losing some of that is going to hurt, especially in the near term. So not a lot of good news. <laughs> but Yeah, we got to watch and see what happens. So what, what should we be watching for in the coming months? Well, you know, the GCC states are, um, you know, they are wealthy. They do have resources. Um and they're sort of, you know, we're in the same boat. <laughs> they're in the same boat as everyone else in the rest of the world dealing with the uncertainty about what happens next with COVID-19. Everyone wants to know, 
determining that is going to help determine what the impact will be on global demand for services, including tourism, travel, and shipping, as well as what will energy demand be like. So that's the the big, you know, million dollar question is, is, you know, how soon do we see more waves of this virus? How soon do we have vaccines and treatments? But I think with specific respect to the GCC states, you know, what do they prioritize in terms of state spending? And what do they, what do they deem something trimmable or cuttable or something that they can cut back on? Um, and then also, I think, what is that near term impact to expatriate populations? How many people go home? How many people stay? I think that is going to be really important. And a lot of these governments have have worked hard to make it easier for expatriate populations to stay in country because they recognize that they're a valuable contributor to the economy. So those are just a few of the things that, that I will be watching. Well, that's a lot to think about. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Emily Hawthorne is a Middle East and North Africa analyst with Stratfor, a rain company. There's a trove of great content on this topic at Stratfor Worldview. Podcast listeners get a special subscription rate. So go to stratfor.com slash podcast offer and check it out. That's stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue in for Fred Burton. Thanks for listening. 